Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skyler. I'm White. Tonight, we are joined by our friend, Brian Ford. You can find on Twitter at FFJunkie underscore. You can find him doing content over at the Dynasty Fever Pod, going for two RPO football. Tonight, we're doing some week one reactions, so stay tuned. Nailed it. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I like I'm I'm in for death taxes and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. N- no player is completely untouchable. Thank you guys. Really, I had not. I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods, and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Brian, how's it going? Not too bad. You uh, you have to tell me what kind of smoke that is at the end of the at the end of the intro. <laughs> Family-friendly smoke. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned in the intro, we were going to be talking about some week one reactions for the first week of the NFL season. It's finally here. But before we get there, we always try to have at least a little bit of fun with our guests before we talk players. Brian, uh, are you ready for your surprise question? I hope. <laughs> so week one has happened. We're starting to find out if some of our teams are looking good or not. I want to know, though, do you have a specific league that is like way more important than all the others that you're like, I gotta win this one. No, they're all, <laughs> they're all just, I I'm in like over 40 dynasty leagues. So oh, it's just portfolio. Yeah. They just kind of blend sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a couple that I commission. There's a few that like, you know, I, I I'll know league mates better in than, than others. Uh-huh. And, and I think there brings a different vibe, you know, to those, but I don't have any one, you know, like I don't have a home league anymore. I don't have any one like got to win okay. this league or anything like that. Yeah. Got to win them all, right? Got to try. <laughs> all right. Let's jump into these players. We're going to be starting off with Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, going into the season, we've got Dynasty League Football's August startup ADP was RB53. Keep trade cuts got him as RB45 right now. Kind of surprising usage in this first week, though. Uh, 14 carries, only 54 yards. Four targets, caught them all, 20 yards. Not a huge fancy day, but the thing was 18 of the 23 total opportunities for the Eagles running back, something we did not see coming. Um, We caught wind that uh, Rashad Penny was going to be a healthy scratch right before the 1 o'clock game started. That report kind of came out. Even with that, like I don't think anybody was projecting this heavy of a workload for Kenneth Gainwell. Um, you know, we saw there's all the jokes about their depth chart coming into the, the year where everybody's all the running backs are listed together as first team in alphabetical order. There's nothing you could make of it. Like, I'm I'm wondering if this is partially DeAndre Swift being the new person to the team. I also, you know, think about how we had talked previously on this show about how the Eagles didn't actually give up all that much for Kenneth Gainwell. So it's not like he was actually owed anything. Um, I guess number one is like, do you think this kind of usage is going to continue at all? And what are we doing with Kenneth Gainwell now because of this? Brian. Yeah, I mean, that's always the question, right? Like, what's happening in week one that looks like the beginning of a trend that might be sticky and what, what isn't? You know, I don't know. I'm not sold on, on Gainwell. Certainly this type of, of usage. You know, we, we heard rumblings in camp, you know, that he was rising and, you know, could be the quarterback one. And there was a couple of weeks there where, you know, his price went up in trades and he was shooting up KTC and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, preseason games, we had uh, the, the first game, right. Uh, he and Boston Scott were held out because they're kind of familiar with the system and they wanted to get Penny and, and Swift's uh, feet wet. I, I think we kind of have a similar situation here 
with Penny as a healthy scratch and, and Swift not getting, I think he had like two touches total, right? So I think we kind of have that, you know, I think this is, they trust Gainwell, they like him, right? And so, you know, first first week on the road against the Bel- Belichick, you know, coach defense, you know, the safe bet is to go with the guy that you know and the guy that you trust. And he was playing better towards the end of the year. The thing about Philly running backs, though, is it's always really hard to, to sort of, separate and isolate out what they're doing right you have to really dig into the numbers because the offensive line is so good he was top 10 in yards before contact last year right because they have such a beast offensive line so how good is he really i don't i think of the of those backs you know i i would have him third of the of the four if you include boston scott as the fourth and that's still how i have them you know ordered in the rankings i don't think this is going to be something that's going to be too sticky and we're going to see this kind of, you know, um, distribution of snaps. I don't think Penny's going to be a healthy scratch. He's not owed money, so he can be cut. Um, the thing about Swift though, too, is they essentially got him for free and then can get a fourth rounder if someone else signs him. So it's almost like they have a free trial, you know, DeAndre Swift 30 day free trial. Right. So they don't really owe him many touches either. I just see this as it's going to be kind of a mess. And if I want to bet on somebody, I'll bet on the guy that I think has the most talent. And in that case, I think I still think it's Swift. So I have them ordered Swift, Penny, and Gainwell, and Scott in my dynasty ranking still. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the drum beat was happening to see this in the first week, as you mentioned, uh, throughout the offseason. I kind of think, you know, Skyler, that like maybe he is like the 1A for a good portion of the season. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened. I wouldn't expect this kind of an opportunity share moving forward. Maybe the opportunity share is greater than we were expecting, but like, I don't want to put too much faith in that. Like, like Brian, I also still have DeAndre Swift the highest. I'm going to continue to have DeAndre Swift the highest. Um, Kenneth Gainwell is not someone I want to invest in at this point. Um, how do you feel? Yeah, um, I feel like I'm with Brian. I feel I'm not changing anything necessarily here with Kenneth Gainwell. I think it's just important to note that he very clearly was the guy that they had the most confidence leading touches. And for the exact reasons that Brian mentioned, which I was going to touch on with the capital and the the compensatory pick there for DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell really is the player they have the most invested in. But even that was when they took him back day three pick. Uh, It took him in the fifth round. So really here... The takeaway for Dynasty is that if anyone in your league is viewing this as uh, confirmation bias for their priors on Kenneth Gainwell, it's an opportunity for me to maybe get a second and a third out of him, which I think is a deal that gets done in probably a lot of spots. Now, there isn't a whole lot of value, I think, if you were to just move for a second, because if this trend does continue for at least another couple of weeks where the volume was it was it wasn't anything crazy. It was something that makes a lot of sense within their offense that that trade for a second will be there on the table. So it's it's kind of the thing where if you want to see if he has use to you, I think you have time to wait. But if you do just want to cash up for a second, I think that's on the table and it should be there probably for a couple of weeks, because I think that this uh, will be indicative of how they're going to run things early season. We'll see how DeAndre Swift works in there after i think it's important to know here with philadelphia they played 61 total plays in this game which last year they averaged 67 per game so they were a little less plays the weather was terrible so they did lean on the run a little bit more and gainwell as you mentioned is the guy that trusts between the 20s one thing i want to touch on new england really quick it's a little off base here for kenneth gainwell but for you guys who are really propping up maybe like kendrick Bourne and mac jones after week one where i do think those players are fine mac jones was is fine as a QB2 in, in Dynasty. They ran 78 total plays in a game where they were playing absolute catch-up and they had to push the ball downfield. So a couple of those numbers in the scores, I, I would just say 
take it with a pinch of salt. But with Kenneth Gainwell, one thing I did like to see that was a little promising was they had 21% of their team targets go to the running back position, which is above where they were last year by position. Philadelphia targeted the running back position 12% of the time last year, which was the lowest mark in the NFL um, under really just the... Yeah, they were, they were by far and away pretty much the, the lowest team target in their running back position. So if that were to stick, that is a big plus here for either Gainwell or Swift having um, season-long value because it's really tough to have top 24 consistency when 12% of your team targets are going to, the, to that position. It's being split between two to three guys. Um, so that is one thing I would like to, to call out there as a positive for Kenneth Gainwell, that 12%. And they did mention they would like Jalen Hurts to dump the ball off a little bit more. We'll see if that continues. It could have just been a weather thing, but um, that's something I'm definitely keeping my eye on is where does that go? He played over 60% of the snaps and he got 12% of the team target share. If we see that next week as well, there might be a little bit more, a little bit more to this, but I do want to see another week or two, especially with some, some neutral weather. So quick yeah. thing too, about the, the backfield is Swift did have 17 snaps to Boston Scott's eight. So, like, even though we, we kind of think he was a ghost because we look at the box where we see uh, he had two touches, he, he was out he was out there, so maybe he, he's growing uh, in trust. The other thing, too, you know, they're also probably due for regression in, in, like, how great they were with rushing touchdowns total. They had 32 last year. I think the next highest team had, like, 24 or something like that, right? So, I mean, I don't know if that gap is going gonna, is gonna to be as big. And when you have the quarterbacks getting 14 of those 32, almost 50%, right? And, and that regresses. Now you're also sort of capping like the TD upside of these running backs. These, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want to say I like, I don't want anything to do with the Philly running because you kind of target ambiguous running backs, you know, uh, situations sometimes you kind of lean into that talent. But, but yeah, it, it's, I don't, it just seems messy right now. Well, we here at Jada to be for the offseason have been pretty off Philadelphia, pretty much for that reason. The touchdown upside not there. The target share that they've gotten over the last two seasons with Jalen Hurts being near league bottom every single year. Um, we've been pretty off of it. Really where we've been taking those ambiguous stabs is redraft. And I think it's a lot of times better to take those steps there uh, as long as in Dynasty it's fine, but you cannot overpay for ambiguity. Like you, you have to do it when it's absolutely free. You take a stab at at a uh, ambiguous situation, but we're, we're still not the highest as a collective, even though I know why has been a little bit more on Kenneth Gainwell than the rest of us uh, pretty much over the last two to three seasons. It's it's, I like the points that both of you brought up just to finish up here, Brian, I think it's really good to worth mentioning, you know, like the possible touchdown regression for just the backfield in general, when teams have that high of a total touchdowns, like, you know, expect that to continue for the backfield. And then also Skylar, the way you mentioned that, the pass percentage going to the running backs, you know, you look at like Dallas Goddard, he ran a route on 98% of the dropbacks had one target. We don't expect that every week. Is that, you know, is that a change in the philosophy that more running backs are going to get more targets? It's going to come away from the tight end. Did New England do a really good job of shutting down Dallas Goddard? And that's why more targets went to the running backs. These are all things that we're going to have to monitor moving forward. Let's jump on into our next player, Jordan Love. Dynasty League Football, August startup ADP was QB 23 on keep trade cut. He's QB 18 right now. I'm sensing a theme here on keep trade cut with these young players we're talking about today, that they're a little bit ahead of DLF. Uh, had a pretty good game on Sunday. 15 to 27, 245 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, added 12 yards rushing on the ground, 23 fantasy points in week one. I think going into the season, 
if I told you that he had a week like that at any point, you'd be doubted at least a little bit with what we knew about Jordan Love coming into the season. There wasn't a lot of hope for him. And all this without his number one we- weapon, Christian Watson, and Aaron Jones even leaving that game late. Um, now, personally, in Dynasty, I was not really getting invest- too invested in Jordan Love, although I do have some leftover shares. Skyler, I know we uh, co-manage a team in which we drafted him in the startup and have been holding him since. Um, but in redraft leagues, I was talking about all this offseason, how with how he's the, him and the Green Bay offense is being looked at as be, already being pegged as being bad, even though there's a lot of variance to their possible outcomes. That's a lot. That's a team that I want to bet on. And I think we're starting to see like how if this team can all come together with all these young weapons, like there is this potential there. But we have to take a grain of salt for this week because it was against the Bears and the Bears defense is bottom tier for Sure. Um, so really the question is, is like, how much faith do we want to have in what they did this week one against a bad defense moving forward, Skylar? Yeah, I want to start this out by just getting into a little quick, quick theory here that we every time we talk one of these young quarterbacks, I just have to put it out there where in the NFL, you do not get guaranteed opportunities just because you are young. You have to come out and you have to show that you deserve to be starting in this league from over a season and then teams may give you a little bit longer of a leash. They might invest in you a little bit more. And it's not until you've had multiple seasons where you've really shown that you're capable, where you can say this player is going to have longevity in the league. And now a fallacy I see with dynasty players a lot, especially new ones, is they say, well, I got to get a young quarterback because he's going to be my quarterback for the next five to 10 years. And that's just not how it works. A quarterback that's 30 years old but proven is probably going to play longer in the league than a guy who's 23 or 24 but not proven. So that's just one thing I want to get right out of the way, which is why we've been off Jordan Love and Mac Jones and, and Kenny Pickett over the last two seasons. Mac Jones a little bit different because we I do think as a rookie he showed it, but when he before when we were coming into the league, we had this kind of with him where I'm not valuing Jordan Love suddenly over some of these guys that we've already seen it for a while, right? I don't think that he's leaps and bounds above your guys like your Derek Carr, your Kirk Cousins, where the market would suggest that he's worth considerably more, at least a second worth more than all of those guys. So I want to get that right out of the way. I know if you guys watching the channel, you know, two quarterbacks we've been off all off season has been Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett. So I do want to say you all know how I feel about Jordan Love. But what I'm going to talk about is with week one, I'm just not overreacting. I think it was fine. It's optimistic. But what we saw in week one, there's two ways to look at it. And the two different viewpoints depend on what your priors were, right? If you came in and you said, Jordan Love has not shown me that he's a capable starter. We haven't gotten that sample and he wasn't the best prospect. So until he gives me a string of games, I'm not going to trust it. If that was your opinion, great. You're probably sticking with that. He had a good week one, but you're saying I'm not overreacting. The Chicago Bears were allowed the third most points to quarterbacks in 2022. You don't know how many points that they allowed? 23.0 points per game. Now, if I ask you why, do you know how many points Jordan Love scored this week against the Chicago Bears? 23.0. So based on what we got from a defense that really struggled against the position last year, on average, Jordan Love did right at expectation. Now, I got to give him credit. It was a good game but I'm not going to overreact. This is kind of what we've come to expect against the Chicago Bears. I think if he had a string of games where he struggled and then he came out and had this game in the middle of the season, people would completely disregard it. But because it's week one, we're now we're confirming the priors of the people who did believe in Jordan Love because they said, see, I've been telling you he was good all offseason. He came in a week one and gave us 23 points. So I think there's two ways to look at it. It just has to do with your priors. Either way, I'm not overreacting. If you did not believe in Jordan Love, but you had him, like Wyatt and I, where we, we, we got him 
like round 17 or something like two years ago, or a lot of leagues picked him up for a third or fourth just because I'm like, well, once he starts, I'm going to be able to get at least close to a first. If you were one of those people and you can ship him off for first, sure, go ahead. Absolutely no problem with it. Now, if you're one of the guys who believed in him, hold on. Let's see what we got here. So I'm just not overreacting Jordan Love, and I'm curious to see how he does moving forward. Yeah, it's a good point. Got, you can readjust your expectations, but not let, let yourself readjust them too much just because of a performance like this. I mean, you look at like his PFF grade for the weekend, it was 60.8. Not great, right? Like it's a, fine, but it's not, it doesn't reflect the fantasy points. Those don't, those don't add up, right? Uh, Brian, what do we think? Yeah, I, I'm pretty skeptical too. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I think Scott, you know, summed it up re- really well. I don't, I don't know how, I have a too, too much, uh, to add to it, you know, he, he, I think the completion percentage was only a little over 50%. I don't remember, you know, uh, any sort of like real big time throws or, or, you know, tight window stuff where we were like, wow, you know, that, that's, that's a, you know, and, and as much as like, we, we only care quote unquote about the points, like the, the reality that goes into making the points we have to care about. Right. And I think over, the only data we have is this one week. So, you know, obviously there's reason to be optimistic, but he's one of those guys I've just been under the market on just like the whole time. I just kind of think he's, uh, what do the kids call it? Mid or, or are you kids? I don't even know. Uh, how old it, right? all <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know, I remember him being up there at like QB 17, QB 18 in KTC, you know, a while back. And I've got him down at like 28 and it's like, I, I just, you know, he is what he is, right? Like, I think he was overdrafted by the Packers to begin with. I think he was a middling prospect who, um, you know, listen, I, I know Aaron Rodgers is an Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know, like, thought experiment. If Jordan Love was him, do you think they would have put up with Aaron Rodgers for that many years? Like, I don't, like, I don't know. You know, he and all the drama that, that he brought – I don't know, maybe, and maybe that's a dumb take because he's a Hall of Famer. But I, 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 you know, I'm trying to think of the angle that says Jordan Love is a guy that I'm going to invest the first or more in, and I just, I can't see that. I mean, he's a quarterback with a pulse and a super flex, so okay, fine, like he works, right? But that's kind of about it. I, you know, it's it's going to be a real interesting year, and, and the the what I was saying to to one of my co-hosts like last week was the more I'm I get into fantasy and the more I do content. The more I know, the less certain I am because I can make the case both ways on just about any player, any team, any offense. Right. You know, and I think I can do that with the Packers offense. I can look at this and say, OK, here's a, a young quarterback that got rid of the, the old guy that was, you know, drama and a headache. And he gets to grow up around, you know, pass catchers who we kind of like Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Christian Watson. You know, Dubs is serviceable. I think he's going to be like the third among those three eventually. Uh, and, you know, has a veteran running back to help him out in Aaron Jones. So there's like, okay, there's a case for optimism. I just wonder what what's the 80th percentile outcome for Jordan Love, right? Like that's the question I have to ask myself when thinking about whether I'm buying or selling him. You know, so maybe there's a league here and there where you can you can now flip him uh, and just to, a, to a truther and, and you can get like, you know, a first and a sprinkle, you know? Uh, but I mean, I, I think I moved him up over Ritter from 29 to 28, maybe, or something like that. That's about all I did with Jordan Love. Yeah. 
I'll take him way over Ritter. I just before we move on, I'm sure Wild to close it out here. I do want to say when you have a game where Aaron Jones goes two receptions for 86 and a touchdown, Luke Musgrave has three for 50, January has two for 48. Your stats are going to look pretty nice. Yeah, I like I, I you bring up the 80th percentile outcome, and I'll be like to be fair, I think like 80th percentile outcome for Jordan Love is actually pretty good. I think that that's like a streaming QB and one QB leagues because we know that he has like the physical traits. So if like, if it's 80 percentile outcome of having the physical traits that he does, I think that means he's running a little bit. Uh, he's throwing down feel like he's doing those things that if you think that that is attainable for Jordan love, I think he's a QB that maybe you do actually want to try and invest in. But like what I'm want to say here is that I think 80 percentile outcome would be really great. And I'm not sure that we're going to get there. I think like, 60 70% outcome where he's a starter in super flex leagues is what's realistic as a ceiling for Jordan Love. Last player of the day before we get to a little bonus content, but we will do our normal three and a little bonus content after that. But the last day for our last one for our normal three that we do, Puka Nakua. Uh, Dynasty League football, August start of ADP was wide receiver 79. Keep trade cut has him at wide receiver 66. A fantastic. First day in the NFL, 15 targets, 10 catches, 119 yards, 16.9 half PPR points in week one. Just an incredible day without Cooper Cup there. Basically being the Cooper Cup for Matthew Stafford and doing a darn good job of doing it. Um, Also, Cooper Cup placed on IR, which means this is the kind of setup that's going to be there for the Rams for at least the first four weeks. And... I don't know, like, I wasn't a Puka guy coming into the season. I, like, I could understand why he could ascend the depth chart, just because the depth chart was nothing, really. You know, like, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, that's stopping no one. Um, But it's hard for me to, like, come to grips with, oh, is he just the wide receiver one for the, for the Rams now? And what does that mean? Uh, I don't expect him to repeat this performance, but could he get eight, nine targets every week as the wide receiver one until Cooper comes comes back what does that mean for us like i think the the range of outcomes got even wider than it was with him coming in as a prospect because we saw this performance and now this means a lot even when uh cooper cup comes back um we've seen two wide receivers succeed in this offense before why can't he be robert woods as he was compared to during prospect season we know that he can take some handoffs and do some work like that Brian, are you a Puka Nakua stan? What do we think? It might surprise you that I am kind of squarely in the middle on it. Uh, so I, I talk a lot to Matt Hicks of Rookie Big Boy during rookie season, which I guess is really 12 months now. But, you know, he was he was a Puka guy. He kind of put Puka on, on the map for me. So, I you know, I, I think I was a little above market kind of the whole time, you know, and making the, the, the case for him. Um, you know, I think there was – plays in that game where you kind of saw he was kind of uh is what he is a, a fifth round wide receiver that isn't like super uh talent doesn't have super athleticism and is kind of finding his way in the in the nfl but you know if you've got mcveigh and stafford working with you and you and you're giving the opportunity you know i think you kind of like uh, start a little bit uh, ahead than maybe some other wide receivers in that situation <clears throat> you know there is hope, as you said, because he's more versatile than just being, you know, Cooper Cup light, sippy cup or whatever, right? Um, but at the same time, you, you know, he kind of is what he is, right? He's a, he's a, you know, he's a day three wide receiver and, you know, is kind of 
a middling prospect. Uh, he's he's a gamer, you know. He's he's I, I, he's a, a a scrappy player. I think I think he's gonna be a serviceable wide receiver three in fantasy uh, for a while. Uh, I think you know after Cup retires or whatever. Uh, you know I think when it comes to what are you doing with him. It's an interesting situation because, as you said, there's almost like an expiration date on on this optimism because Cup is coming back in a, in, a, in a few weeks, and there's really only so many Robert Woods touches he can get, right? Um, and your league mates kind of know that too, right? So let me put it to you this way: Tell me how I did. I traded him today, him and a twenty-four fourth for Michael Wilson of the Cardinals, and the twenty-five second. I mean, I basically got a 25 second and and a free roll out of somebody I drafted like maybe in the fourth round of that rookie draft. So, yeah, I think I think a lot of people are going to hear that trade and say like, "What are you crazy? Like after this performance, why would you do that?" But I know something we've talked about a lot on this channel are these process plays where when you've spent a fourth round rookie draft pick on a player like Puka Nakua and you have the opportunity to basically gain a free second round pick and re-roll as into another rookie. It's just a good process play because more often than not, you will come out on top. You're going to have some misses that way. Puka Nakua could end up being a great player and you will come out on the downside of that, but you've still made an ROI on your investment. And just one more quick thing. If we know cups coming, we then kind of say to ourselves, we've got maybe four or five weeks of of Puka. Is it going to get any better than it is now in those four or five weeks? And what are the chances of it getting any better than it is now? Probably worse right. out. Yeah. It's a very good point. It's, it's a process play we talk about a lot, especially with these day three picks. Uh, it's just best process to get that solid ROI, return on your investment when you can. Uh, Skyler, what do you think? Yeah, I'm also just not going to completely overreact. Uh, Puka was someone on our radar. We had him ranked as like the 410. and not, Nothing crazy. Like a guy who should sneak into the back of the fourth just because... Uh, mainly it was the opportunity more or less than his pro- prospect for profile. Um, he profiled to play a little bit like Robert Woods, as you mentioned, but physically he's more like a, like a Stevie Johnson physically type player. Um, nothing really jumps off the page for this guy. You, you can't point to his production. You can't point to the athleticism. Um, really, it was just the opportunity it was the big thing here for Puka, and hopefully he can continue to develop. But if you can turn and flip him for a second round pick, it's just a no brainer, right? A guy who went undrafted in a lot of leagues, picked up for Fab, a guy who might even be out there on your waiver wire right now, and a lot of your leagues who don't go further like twenty five deep, um, yeah, if you can get a second for that, it's a good, great process play. A lot of people come at us in the comments when we make things like that every single year, and they tell us, well, why would you spend a trade him for a second when you got a guy who could be great? And it's like it's it's the process. You do this enough times you're going to be way better off in Dynasty. When you don't take things case by case in Dynasty, you tend to do better over time, right? That's when you're not making individual player takes, you're just making process takes. I think that's when you get into good habits and you make good long-term decisions. That's where I fall with Puga here. Um, I think he's like he's a fine buy. Like If you're a competing team and you... Um, it's like a third round pick type thing. Like, I think it's fine. Like it's probably like fair value is a late third at this point until there's more proven, but that's where I was taking a player like Michael Wilson was the very last pick of the third round. So if you're trading Puka for Michael Wilson, it, that could end up being a straight up, like both guys have played one game in the NFL. Puka played in a game where he was playing against 
uh, Seattle without their best receiver, no proven guys on there. He had a like 48% team target share, like very unsustainable marks Mm. and in a very unique situation. And Michael Wilson played his first game in the league, buried a bunch of bunts, buried behind a bunch of mid on a team that had Josh Dobbs at quarterback, an absolute mess of a game. Like, Sure. If you can make that swap, I can see good reason for both. Like, honestly, if you could trade, and this is a good clip for people to come back if Puka ends up being a star, like you could trade Puka for Michael Wilson in a fourth or Michael Wilson in a third. I think that's also just a deal I'd cash out on. So I like the call there for you Um, with Puka. We're just going to have to see how he's utilized, really. Um, I'm struggling to find. It's not a game I was watching intently because I was uh, on the Philly-New England game. Um, I would like to see how many snaps he took outside versus inside and where Mm. that went across for the whole team because i think that's an important thing for us to look into as to how players could work around cooper cup when he potentially comes back one note i will make is that with tyler higby i would expect more than eight percent of the team targets to go tyler higby's way i think that's something that i'd come to expect i mean van jefferson around 13 percent. that's probably sticky all year I would expect him to be around. That's about what I had Van Jefferson projected for the year. Uh, Tyler Higby will get more than 8% of the targets. I think that was, that was a very odd thing to see there against a team that was soft against tight end last year, but 40% of the targets going to Puka 21% to two, two. We'll see what part of that is sticky. Cause one of those guys could end up with like 20%, right? Um, I think it was at least optimistic to see that they both jumped over Ben Skoranek, who is literally just a guy. So yeah. situation to keep an eye on. But uh, there's no big overreaction here, guys. Please don't go out shooting seconds for Puka. We this we see big week ones and then guys disappear. It happens. Um, I'm rooting for him, though. We, we root for everybody over here. Uh, it was a fun day. It was a good outing. Um, I have him in like one or two spots, and I would dish him for a second, but I'm, I'm also just cool kind of seeing how this goes. Yeah, I think the if the price of entry to get in right now was a third, I would probably do that on most teams just to find out. But I have a feeling that... Uh, the price of entry is going to be a second, like at the yep. minimum everywhere, yep. which I'm probably just not going to do. Yep. Third is fair value. All right. But we've got a little bonus content and uh, we're going to bring it down a notch in the mood. Unfortunately, as JK Dobbins tore his Achilles and you know, he's, he's got to be one of these, what if careers, right? If we could just take away the injuries, an incredible rookie year, six yards per carry as a rookie just looked dynamic. Uh, 5.7 yards last year on on one leg, essentially. And then this torn Achilles, which has looked at on as kind of a death knell for running backs. We've seen a couple running backs recently come back uh, and do okay. But, you know, we don't want to count on that. I guess, Brian, the question is, is, is he worth anything to you at this point? Yeah, well, I mean, like, like you said, it. I mean – it's really tough to, to talk about, right? Because you, you think about what's it like to be J.K. Dobbins, right? You know, to be a really good football player, to run into these to these major injuries, um, you know, knowing that this was a, a contract year one way or the other, whether it was with your team or, or, or somebody else, and, and then have this happen, you know, it's, that's, that's really tough. And, you know, I jokingly said to somebody today that I, I or no, I tweeted it. Right? I, I cursed Dobbins because I he uh, him being a top five PPR back was a bold prediction on, on two shows I had this week. So, you know, I, I, I mushed him. But, um, you know, 
in the end, we just don't have a, a big sample size of um, guys that have come back, period, from Achilles, let alone have come back at a certain timetable and done well, right? I mean, people say, oh, Cam Akers came back in, like, whatever it was, six or eight months. He didn't look great when he when he first came back. And, you know, he just essentially got, out, in, in some ways, outplayed by Kyron Williams yesterday. I mean, again, we're not overreacting to week one, but in – no matter what happened in week one, do we do we really love Cam Akers any more than like, I don't know, a high end RB two? You know, I mean RB three. You know, like I don't low end RB two. You know, moving forward, like and and maybe that's Dobbin ceiling, and who knows if that's his ceiling when you know, like when that's his ceiling when he comes back and he's gonna be twenty six and you know. Listen, if you've got a big enough roster in, in a certain league, you know, whatever, you, you know, maybe you hold on to him because what are you going to get for him, right? But um, – and and maybe, you know, he he pulls off, you know, in acres and comes back sooner than we think and, you know, is is, is serviceable and finds a, a new team, you know, somewhere or whatever, right? right? But but in the end, it's almost like this is like – it's over for, for, for Dobbins as far as being, you know, a, a fantasy player that we're going to – um, you know, that's going to be really sought after, you know, like I, I almost took him out of the player pool because like, how do you rank a guy like this? You know, cause he's essentially on pause for a while. Like he doesn't even really exist. You know, I think I have not like RB 77 now, you know? Um, yeah. You know, as far as a trade goes, you know, as a seller, I don't know. I might still be, you know, play a little, play a little stubborn, you know, and say, you know, still a young guy. Acres came back quickly. I'm not giving him up for anything less than whatever, right? Um, you know, as a buyer, I don't know. Are you really going to buy now? Like two thirds, maybe stash him if you have like a 35 man roster league. Like it's just like I don't know. You know, I, I know I know Skyler has has some some clear thoughts on this. Yeah, Skyler, what, what do you think? You know, like I my my initial thought was if I have him on my team, I'm willing to trade him for almost anything like a, a, a third will get it done very easily for me because my thought is, is if I'm going to want to have him on my teams at any point, I'll reinvest in a year uh, because yeah. I think it's going to be a while before we see him. Like I'm not going to count on the early comeback. If the early comeback does happen, let someone else jump in on that. I'll sit on the sidelines while it happens. What do you think, Skyler? Yeah. If you're holding it to try to sell him for a second when he's healthy kind of thing. Uh, that's what I've just been telling people. The problem is, is he's on an expiring deal going into this season. He's had a major injury in the past, a couple minor injuries in the past. And the Achilles is the death sentence injury for me. There, there has been no one who has come back. Like you're not going to, we'll see how Cam Akers does for, does for the year. But my skepticism with Cam Akers is how long he can hold up within a season. He, we got to see the sample at the end of last year, but then he got a, a whole off season break. Right. And he comes back in his first game is 1.32 yards per ter- carry over 20, uh, over 20 opportunities. I know yards per carry is in a great stat, but when it's that bad, uh, it's worth taking note at, you know, when you look at people who said, well, James Robinson, was going to come back. He didn't even get through a whole full season before he immediately started to deteriorate and couldn't really hold up. And then the team just straight up cut him, you know, or they traded him for nothing. And then he got cut. And the same thing with Deonta Foreman, the season he came back over his big injury, um, his first game. I mean, you know, it was only five touches, but over seven yards per attempt, people are like, Ooh, that's crazy. He ended up finishing the year, um, you know, around four yards a carry. He did. He only made it through like six weeks as well. Like there's just not a sample size of any of these guys 
coming back from the Achilles, mm. especially with injury history and ACL and MCL injuries and PCL injuries in the past, and then coming back and being successful. So with J.K. Dobbins, yeah, I'm here with why. If you want to take a stab, like you believe in the player and you want to buy in in uh, February or buy in in December when somebody in a playoff run is like looking for looking for some something and you say, okay, I'll give you that guy for that maybe they want. I'm going to throw a random name out there. Um, somebody like um, – Maybe Tyler Algier is you know, Bijan gets hurt and Tyler Algier's there, and they're like, "I will give you two seconds and J.K. Dobbins to come get Tyler Algier from my playoff run." Sure, then you're like, then you can buy back in. Try to be opportunistic with when you jump back in there on J.K. Dobbins. But for now, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see he's just burning a roster spot. The path back it's just not going to be easy i'll be rooting for the guy i feel really really bad for him what i'm going to do is link in the description here a video or i'll put a play card you'll see it right there with uh, a video it was victor oladipo was on jj reddick's podcast if you guys watch any basketball he was a guy who had knee injury after knee injury after knee injury and he goes on and he talked about the mental toll that these injuries take and i think it's a very good listen just to think of the just mentally what goes through these guys when jk this isn't his first injury like he's had significant injuries and then for to get this one i i really do feel bad for the guy so thoughts out to him i know we have to talk about it because this is what we do and people want to know what they should do in dynasty but if we think outside of uh our own little game for a second this is a, a young guy who's had a really tough path in an exact season that cost him millions of dollars like this injury cost him a potentially three-year 15 million dollar contract like we don't think that's a big rb contract that's that's something he probably could have gotten, and that's a lot of money. So I, I really do feel feel bad for J.K. Dobbins. I think this is a situation where I'm just going to put in my lead chat, send me two-thirds, and he's yours. Like, first person to send me two-thirds, he's yours, and I'm just going to wash my hands clean. And it sucks because we were telling you three weeks ago to trade J.K. Dobbins for a 25 or 26 first if anyone would give it to you. That's where we on the channel where you can check our clips catalog to go back and vet that. We were – off and it just feels bad you know not that that's a told you moment it's just it really does mm. feel bad i feel bad for the guy um let somebody else there's gonna be someone in your league who's crafty and thinks that they're pulling one over they're gonna think you're desperate and they're gonna go give you two-thirds for him so they can play the hold until he's healthy and try to trade for a second type thing so i'm wiping my hands clean it it stinks mm-hmm Yes, sending good thoughts over to J.K. Dobbins and his family in his recovery. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight's show. Brian, thank you very much for coming on, joining us. This was a lot of fun, uh, if, except talking about J.K. Dobbins injury. That's not that much fun. But uh, before we get out of here, let everyone know where to find you, all of your content, all those things. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I, you know, Whenever our schedules can fit and you want me on, uh, I'll, I'll definitely do it. Uh, yeah, so FFJunkie underscore on, on Twitter. Uh, Dynasty Fever podcast, midweek audio only. Uh, me and my friend Jesse Schneeman from the Dynasty Warzone crew and uh, at Dynasty Fever Pod on Twitter. The going for two.com you mentioned in the beginning. I have my rankings and articles up there, although uh, not too much in season writing. Uh, and with going for two, I do a live show on Saturday nights. It's called Dynasty Saturday Night Five seen wide in the chat a couple times <laughs> and uh yeah so this week actually we're gonna have jacob sanderson on and we're gonna talk like all these running backs and you know sort of what we thought about the backfields going into the season and how they how they seem to be unfolding so that's gonna be a lot of fun 7 30 eastern on the going for two live youtube channel speaking of jk dobbins jacob sanderson might be one of the biggest jk dobbins stands on the planet so that is 
just uh, incredible timing for that show. Make sure to check that out, everybody. As for us, you can find Skylar at DFF Buffalo. You can find me at YB underscore FF. You can find JWB at JWB underscore FF. In the description of this video, you're going to find a lot of stuff. You're going to link to our free Discord. You can find a link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content, the Clips catalog that Skylar mentioned, where everything we talk about, every player take we've got on this channel is listed alphabetically, chronologically, with hyperlinks. You click on it, go right to the video, hear what we have to say. Also, we are sponsored by Underdog. If you sign up with code JWB, get a first-time deposit match up to $200. While you're here, finally, if you're enjoying our content, please like, subscribe, follow, all those things on all the platforms. We are literally everywhere now, Instagram, TikTok, all your streaming platforms. Uh, it's the best way to support us. really helps us continue to grow to the best content we can for all of you. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time.